what do you think is going to be Europe's perception of America with either of these two leaders? Trump, Trump getting into the nomination at all is, is particularly damaging for America's reputation, I'd say. It's, it's quite, to see a reality TV show star sort of, I mean, I like him. He was in Home Alone too, so I give him that. Uh, so when we, when we go to the UN meetings uh, next year, are we going to be at the kids' table? Are we going to get a smaller chair? I, I, I think that considering your, the country is worth more than all the others combined, I think you probably still have a big table. You'll have like a Mr. Burns chair okay. <laughs> with dogs <laughs> leashed, like barking and shit. But no, well, it's, America's never cared about outside perception anyway, has it? It's like, fuck you. That's what I love about this place. Yeah. And then so Trump is almost the embodiment of modern America. Yeah. It's almost the president that everyone deserves, yeah. in a way. Hey, gun, boy, you got you a blog. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm excited for my guest this week, British-born comedian, David Von Jones. He was actually introduced to me uh, by King Uncle Dame Time, who was a guest on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, very funny guy. Very, very funny. Uh, he's got a show coming up called Beautiful Ducks. Sounds random. Kind of is. When you hear this guy's story and his philosophy about life and mindfulness, it'll make a little bit more sense to you. Um... I love talking to comics. They always have a twisted and unique point of view on the world, which is why I love kind of picking their brains and, and getting into it a little bit. Um, David actually now lives in Edinburgh, uh, which is where he will be performing at the Fringe Festival coming up in August. Definitely check him out there, at David Von Jones on Twitter. Our conversation today was... I thought it was going to be about comedy and his process and, you know, the people that he looks up to, but it actually ended up being a very philosophical conversation. And we talked about his mindfulness practice, his abstinence from social media. We talked about his uh, political interests. He was actually uh, canvassing for Bernie Sanders uh, during his stay out here in Los Angeles. And uh, he talks about um, the American political process. And it's really interesting to get a European's perspective on American politics. Um, just a different, you know, perception, a different worldview. And uh, had a great time. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, please welcome my guest and your new favorite British comedian, Mr. David Von Jones. David Von Jones, yeah, that's fine. It sounds really... Uh, well, does it? Well, Von well, just means of in German. So it would be a bit like Leonardo da Vinci. It was Leonardo of Vinci. He wasn't, that wasn't his surname. It's rolling, by the way. Oh, okay. Excellent. I'll edit it, of course. I hope so, because I really can't do much that's funny unless it's edited thoroughly. <laughs> I, just, 
I think it, my, might, be, it might be illegal to uh, record people without their prior knowledge. Really? Oh, shit. I'm in trouble then. What's, I better tell every single ex-girlfriend. <laughs> oh, wait. Shit. This is uh, on a podcast. Yeah, it's a podcast. Yeah, it's fine. We'll be okay. So, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for, for coming and for ah, joining me. It's my pleasure. Thank you. It's a lovely drive as well. Very scenic around yeah. here. <laughs> it's like you the south of Spain. Everywhere is like the south of Spain. It's wonderful. Really? The mountains are... In fact... In old westerns, they used to shoot old westerns in Spain because it was cheaper. Yeah. So a lot of the, I think they called them spaghetti westerns. I don't really know. I know the term, much. but I didn't know that that's what it well, meant. Well, yeah, basically the ones with lower budgets were all shot in Spain because it looks like California. Yeah, so don't tell my wife that because she'll I, think we'll have a low-budget vacation and go to Spain. <laughs> it's, it's, a great, it's, it's a great place to go. So yes. proper introduction. Uh, we have here in the studio, Morgan Freelance Podcast, Mr. David Von Jones. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, accomplished comedian, you hail from. I well, I, I, I live in Edinburgh now. Okay. Because it's, it's a it's a nice place. I used to live in London, but yes, it's, it's not nice. Now your accent. Please excuse my ignorance. I'm going to say oh, that no, once no, it's okay. and let it run for of the course. rest of the show. Uh, a continued excuse. Uh, I don't think I'm, I'm, it's implied that Americans constantly okay. have to apologize for their ignorance. This is how I. Yes. <laughs> this is how I consider a rolling apology <laughs> based within society. Perfect. And we need it, and we appreciate that. But your accent sounds to me British. Yeah, yeah. Well, my family was Welsh, and I grew up on the on the border, okay. like in a place called Shrewsbury. Okay. So it's where Charles Darwin was born. Okay. It's, you know, it's about the only thing. Uh, the only thing of note from the town. Pretty much. I mean, the England goalkeeper as well, Joe Hart. He's he's from my town. Okay. So. Nice guy. Um, but yeah, so the the accent I have is a bit muddled. It's 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 interesting to see people interpret it because they think I'm Australian which really is like does that piss you off well <laughs> people also use British terminology around me all the time I can't help it <laughs> I've given oh. you my one apology okay, I'm not right, going right. to give another no and it doesn't piss me off too much but it's there's more British people there's three times more British people than Australian people they should defer to the British option yeah. should it arrive yeah and then Australia when I was, cr- I was crossing the road once the, the only time I've been told off for crossing the road was in in LA yeah and, uh, Don't jaywalk in LA. Oh, just, it's like the, the road was empty. It takes you half an hour yeah. to cross the road. You're sitting there, people just sit there. I'm making friends with like Mexican cleaning ladies and stuff. Just next. But I know they're Mexican. They could be Cuban. Well, one fourth of all. I'm just kidding. I've been speaking to them. You, I'm the one who speaks to them, man. I know they're Mexican. All the ones I've met are Mexican. That's not. And there's the two Nicaraguans, actually. So. There you go. Yeah. But um, I've, I've actually, I'm sure you're familiar with the term Anglophile. Oh, okay. Uh, I fancy myself an Anglophile. Okay, excellent. What, what do you like? Because I, I hate that country. I, what's the opposite of Ang- Anglophile? So, when I was studying in university, I had an opportunity to study abroad for a semester. Okay. And the choices given to me were uh, Germany, um, Italy. Uh, I believe they had just started one in Japan. They started one in South America, Buenos Aires. You picked, you picked England I ahead picked, of all of them? But let me tell you why I picked England. Okay, go on. So, my grandmother... Um, I'm mixed, biracial, mixed racial, whatever you want to call it. Um, my mother, my grandmother on my mother's side is French Canadian mm-hmm. and her parents are from Romania. Okay. And wow. they've got relatives in Norway. So that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a place to be coming from. Sure. To sure. quote Sanka from Cool Weddings. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice reference. Oh, um, I know my Disney films. So <laughs> when I was thinking Western European experiences, I didn't want to deal with the language barrier. Mm-hmm. And although the food and the women are much more attractive in Italy and France, I decided on London. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> there's something romantic about the cobblestone streets. People in England are going to be listening to this stuff. That's, that's <laughs> you, fine. You just alienated the entire... <laughs> 
compilation of ugly, ugly British women. <laughs> I'm, my myopic worldview is just on stage for everyone to see. So anyway, the the final. But London factor. isn't really isn't really cobbled streets and stuff. Is it? Was it? Was it everything you expected, or was it very different? Ah, uh, I was very I was very drunk at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get through London. That's, That's how you do it. That's the only way British people survive there. It's true. It's but the the reason that I picked London, the final straw, was they had a two week excursion to Egypt, and I wanted to see the pyramids. Oh right, right. None of the other programs offered that. Um, when I was there, 9-11, September 11th happened, and all travel to the Middle East was halted. Wow. So instead... Not like now when it's completely safe, of course. Of course. <laughs> instead Jesus. of Egypt, you know where we went? Where? Norway and Sweden. Oh, right. But so Sweden's one of my favorite places in the world. It's just beautiful. beautiful. I, think, I think Stockholm is the only town I've been to where modernist architecture works really well. Yeah. A minimalist. Because in London, there's a lot of areas um, after the war... They, they, they introduced these areas which were very good. They had a lot of houses to rebuild, mm -hmm. and they introduced a lot of modernist architecture, but it was top-down planning, so it didn't quite work as well. So you get a lot of, I guess we call them council house buildings. You might refer to them as the projects or something here. Council so house. purpose okay. purpose-built housing Multi facilities. Multi-family dwellings? Yeah, yeah. And But the, the thing, they, they just didn't plan it very well. So then you've got big expenses of, of grass before a street. It just wasn't, it was done with a good ideal. But sure. what's, what's now resonated since then is it's, it makes these areas very unhabitable. The modern ideas of town planning tend to be about having something going on at all times. Right. Whereas, you know, obviously in a, in a project, this is why they're dangerous. It's because at nighttime they seem lonely and quiet. There should be, the idea behind modern town planning is that there should be activity at all times. This makes everyone feel safer and more aware. Sure, sure. And and I think that's 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 one of the big things with London with me. It was just, it was just hard to. A, a lot of my show was about about trying to be mindful and getting over depression, and and that involves putting yourself in a good, in a nice place, literally, not not even figuratively in one's mind, just being around nice things. Geographically. Yeah. Is well, yeah. Environmentally, probably better. Sure. sure. Term. So it, you know, just being surrounded by some more nature or being surrounded by some more sunshine. This is one of the things I've, I've been trying to achieve recently. That's awesome. Um, but I, f I find London's hard for that. That's why I moved to Edinburgh, because that is real. If you, I reckon if you, if you go to London and see, searching cobblestones and stuff, you, you, you probably find that more in places like Bath and Edinburgh, okay. which uh, haven't been destroyed by the financial sector as much. Because as soon as London's a big financial city, so you know, as soon as that money comes in, the outside money, it does sort of destroy the character a bit. Absolutely. But equally, it makes it great because now you've got a melting pot of... You're talking about Spanish and Italian women being hot. All of my housemates are Spanish and Italian women yeah, yeah. when I lived in London. So they all come to England. and just Sure. No complaints about the imports. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the best. It's a bit like L.A., actually. It's a, it's a, it's a city and it's constant, constantly melting transient. Pot. Sure. Uh, Metropolitan. So it's good for that, but it's just fucking annoying because there's this big divide between the homeowners and the non-homeowners because... The whole British economy seems to be built on house prices going up by 10% every year. So Don't everyone's invested it. all of their money in that. And now in London, of course, you go to areas like Camden, which would have been thought of as cool. You can't buy a house in Camden for less than a million pounds. And by house, I mean a one-bedroom flat. Sure. Uh, and so like, then you get, the, you get still people, young people who want to go there, but then you've got millionaires who own all the houses, so the bars all shut early. The bars get taken over because they're worth more as houses. It's, it seems to be not a great place for, for mindfulness, in my opinion. You're, you're <clears> a very <throat> educated and thoughtful individual, I can tell, just having oh. met you. Thank you. Ha I think you missed that handsome. <laughs> and handsome. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Be Beautiful, but... Um, you know, I, I didn't get much financial education growing up here in America, mm. and I'm not 
faulting the public school system. I'm not faulting my parents. I'm just faulting the society as a whole. And that is uh, a maxim that's stuck in my head. Real estate always goes up. It's the safest investment you can make. I bought my first house in 2007, mm. and the housing market crashed in 2008. Shit. Uh, I've since um, gained much more appreciation for a minimalist lifestyle. Oh, yeah. And a mindful Oh, yeah. Practice. It's easy when you're forced into it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now it's amazing how <laughs> as soon as I had to sell all of my shit, then I became really, really no. good at being minimal. It's great. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and what, I w what I wanted to tell you is that it's very refreshing as a, as a fan of comedy mm. and as a consumer of comedic content it's refreshing to see somebody like yourself who's using their platform and their stage time to get across a message of mindfulness to help people and not to just put a band-aid with laughter on their well um, you know it's i i, I don't want to it's it's not happened yet i don't think i, I don't think i've managed tensions as well yeah yeah i've not managed to cross that divide yet and it is a constant thought when i've been writing my show ridiculously late compared to i've got to do it in eight days but <laughs> i've been going over it and it's like yeah, it is because sometimes there is you, you don't want to you don't want it not to be funny because I think that's almost the way people listen. So it's like you get their attention by being funny, and then sure. and then to make a salient point as a result of that is the hard part, I guess. And it's it's something I do try and be funny more because I feel that you don't want to be one of these preachy comedians. You know, I don't right. want to be telling people what to do. But if there are little aspects that I can include about mindfulness and, and that's why it's, that's why I'm concentrating more on, on the longer shows now because then I don't have to suck anyone's dick to get stage time you know they don't you know you, you can explore ideas more sure. and more fun. You can, I can still do all my shitty little jokes but I can also add them to you know some maybe some semblance of mindfulness I don't know but I watched I, I watched your five minute set oh well thank that you sent me it was great oh well thank you I, I said I nearly times. said thank you then before you said it was great well, so. I told you it was great earlier off yeah off I, well, <laughs> So um, I've spent this year, I've been trying to be a better person, you know, a more ethical person. Uh, one thing I've done to be more ethical is I bought, I don't know if you've seen these, the ethical shoes, yeah, the Toms? Do we know these, yeah? Um, and you can tell they're ethical shoes because they're falling apart. <laughs> they're made very badly. They offer me nothing in the way of support whatsoever. <laughs> uh, but the reason these are ethical shoes, I'm not sure you know, uh, is for every pair you buy, they give a pair to a disadvantaged child in South America. Which is it's beautiful, isn't it? Um, it doesn't mean what happens when you return a pair is pretty. <laughs> Something else I've done, I joined Greenpeace uh, the other day because I, I like Greenpeace, I think that's a good organization. Um, you know, the rainforests, I, I'm worried about the rainforests because I too believe, like Greenpeace, that the poorest areas of Colombia and Brazil shouldn't be allowed to develop economically. I'm fine with that, it's great. Um, but I have to say, I have to say with Greenpeace, there's one, wait, basically I'm really worried about rising sea levels. So, as such, I really can't agree with Greenpeace's negative attitude towards the hunting of whales. <laughs> no, no, because whales are pretty big, right? And so think about it, every whale we take out of the ocean, the sea levels will drop by the size of a whale. For every whale we take out of the ocean, that's a whale-sized piece of Norfolk we can save. It's whales or Norfolk. It's like a summer holiday choice that no one should have.
<laughs> okay, uh, so I have here some punchlines without jokes. <laughs> Punchline number one. You call that a cactus? <laughs> Punchline number two. So I said, you keep the parmesan. <laughs> it's important to remember these are punchlines. If the joke's not funny, it's your fault. <laughs> Punchline number three. Don't you get shirty with me. <laughs> I've got some notes about this punchline. I like the phrase, get shirty. I want to bring it back. It's clean. Uh, also, I'm going to be doing a show at the Fringe this year, based on this sort of routine. Uh, I haven't thought of a name yet. The best I've come up with so far is 157 punchlines with no jokes. <laughs> punchline number four. <laughs> It's asparagus, not asparagus. <laughs> I've got some notes about this punchline. It's a good punchline to use on someone unwilling to share their asparagus. Uh, so part of uh, me trying to be ethical, uh, well, basically one way I like to learn my ethical lessons is uh, Disney films. I love Disney films. I do, honestly, I do believe there's a lot we can learn from Disney films. Like in the film Mulan, we learn about sexism. Right? In the film Pocahontas, we learn about the environment. And in the film Up, we learn that it's possibly dangerous to rip your house from its foundations using balance and balloons. And attempt to fly it to Venezuela and land it on top of the world's highest waterfall. The lessons are getting more specific. Uh, Robin Hood? Robin Hood's a great one as well. We like Robin Hood. Yeah? yeah, some of you might be too young. But Robin Hood? Robin Hood's a great film about love. And it's foxes falling in love. Um, having said that, once you've heard what, what in real life Fox's fucking sounds like, really sucks the romance out of that one. A weird thing about Robin Hood, though, I was very upset recently. I found out that Robin Hood wasn't actually a fox. I know, I know. Even stranger than that, though, I, 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 read, I read a book and it said, it said that Robin Hood didn't exist. How can someone that doesn't exist definitely not be a fox? <laughs> Nemo's horrible, though. In Disney films, Nemo is horrible. How irresponsible was Nemo's parents? They couldn't even look after one fish. They had, like, thousands of eggs in that anemone. They, I hate Nemo's parents. I was glad when Nemo's mum died at the beginning of that film. <laughs> well, for a start, it was a clownfish-sized piece of Norfolk saved. <laughs> <laughs> Punchline number five. It's hepatitis us. <laughs> Not hepatitis you. I've got some notes about this punchline. It's a good punchline to use on someone getting shirty about the hepatitis. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Yeah, t talk to me about your, your comedic style and what you're trying to accomplish. Now, what I noticed, aside from your stage presence and your confidence, was a seamless transition from, I guess, one line, you know, punchlines to 
punchlines without jokes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's very um, unique. I hadn't seen that before. Which, um, so which bit, was, after that, I guess I go into the Disney stuff in the five minutes. That, so which bit was particularly, was there a part that? Well, I just meant more of of an overall style. Mm. I mean, I think that com- that's your, that's your, your fingerprints, your mark is people know you as, oh, he's the silly guy or he's a thoughtful guy or like say Stephen Wright, he's the one-liner guy. You seem to have melded multiple styles. You know, I, I think that's happened just because I've basically been doing it much longer than everyone else who's as unsuccessful as I am in terms. <laughs> so when you start off, like I probably started 2009. Okay. And then you start off with certain notions of, of comedy sure. and then you go in with your own angle. I guess you're coming with a fresh angle then and I guess when I first came in, you know, maybe I started off with a bit more anti-comedy with a bit more sort of trying to build some tension but I didn't really have any clue of how to do that stylistically and and, and then I, I like that but then I, now I get really fed up with that when it happens too much. So it's rhythm is very important to me. So the, the, especially in the short set, I've been able to get that rhythm going nicely. So I, I try and do everything in threes and I, I try and I try and keep the, the tempo upbeat and then bring it back down. It's, it was, I mean, with a five minute set, it's a lot easier because, it, well, 10 is probably the best because then okay. I can really control that and it's, it's easier doing 10 than it is 20, I guess. But that's, what, that's actually been a struggle when I'm thinking about my show because mm-hmm. I am constantly aware of the tempo mm-hmm. and I don't want to delve too much into Beautiful Ducks, which is the title of the show. <laughs> Without it having some sort of, you know, either comedic value or, or some sure. sort of mindful utility, I don't know. Um, I think you, when you find that, that rhythm, mm. it feels like breathing. And that's, you know, a mindfulness trick, a shortcut. Oh, yeah. Breathing is one of the hardest things to try and be mindful. Mm-hmm. And by being mindful, I mean this without spirituality. So I mean it as in, you know. I would what, argue that you can't have mindfulness without spirituality. Okay. So I completely disagree. Um, Let's so discuss. What I, okay, so what I consider, so I, I'm a fan of Sam Harris. Now, he talks about, he's a neuroscientist, but he's also just written a book called Waking Up, which is about spirituality without... Um, Mindfulness without, without no, spirituality. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, now, so the, the premise behind this is that all, all brains essentially have a similar, uh, a similar neuro, neu, neuronic, a, a, like a, a similar makeup in terms of neurons. And whether, we don't know what's perfect for that, human mind, but we know what's good and what's bad. We know that having friends and sunlight is good, and we know that being cramped up or locked away is bad for the human mind. Now, that's, that's objectively true. Now, that, that would be true across the board. He describes the, the, the ideas of mindfulness a bit like food. So there are objective truths about what there is to help a human mind in the same way there are objective truths about nutrition. So we, we know a cheeseburger is bad for you and a, a piece of salmon is good for you and everything else might fit on that scale in between and it's hard to tell the differences. We don't know for sure some of the nuances but we can say for sure whether we're eating something good or bad because sure. we know certain truths about nutrition. Now I would say that the same thing happens in the mind. So mindfulness for me is just about behaving in ways that will enhance um, one's own well-being through their own brain. So like I was saying earlier, I think, well, things like just reading more. There's, there's processes like checking in, which are mindfulness technique, being aware of one's surroundings. Right. And I don't think any of this will need any sort of... I mean, spirituality for me is the unconfirmed... It's unconfirmed truths. So, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's speculation about some deity. I didn't want to bring the truth into this. That would make things but we need very truth. messy. We need truth to, <laughs> to establish... Our, without, if we're trying to build foundations for our own minds without truth... Truth with a capital T? 
Wait, it depends. Is it in the middle of a sentence? Or? <laughs> What's this? I don't want to get into a, a, a semantics argument. Okay, with yeah, you, yeah. But so you mentioned the Sam Harris was the yeah. the author that kind of lays out this mindfulness without. Well, he's he's a famous critic of religion, and that's why okay. people were quite surprised. He's, I'm going to look into him, by the way. What he wants to do more of. He's more famous for having an argument with Ben Affleck about Islam or something, but like what he really says he wants to do. He studied neuroscience and, and philosophy. And he, he wanted to write more about meditation because he spent like two years in a cave. And it's, for me, it's, it's like yoga. There's certain things sure. you don't need. We, we, yoga has now been, it's, it's getting scientifically proven. You know, just expanding one's chest, just the act of concentrating on breath has been proven to relieve things like depression. Sure. At least fight against them. It's a hard route to mental salvation, but it's, it's a tangible one. Whereas... You know, and, and the other routes we take are possibly not as tangible, but they're quick fixes. Sure. Like, we, can, we can feel happy if we eat an entire pizza. That's what we always want to do. For a but, moment. Yeah. And then <laughs> but you, you, we know that that's subjectively a bad decision because it's not going to improve our, ourselves. Over the, it's not, you know, there's not much protein there, so we know it's not going to build our, our muscles. And it's the same with mindfulness. Sometimes you have to take the long route in order to build those. And it's, it's hard, man. I, I'm not saying I'm there by any means. Sure. No, but it's, it's, it's like, a daily practice. Yeah, and it's difficult, with man. Eckhart Tolle, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his no, name correctly. No, no, I don't know. He wrote a book called The Power of Now. And I think I've heard of the book, actually. And he speaks about mindfulness. He speaks about his personal journey from despair, uh, meaninglessness, uh, depression, etc. Mm -hmm. And he came to a practice of mindfulness. Now, he does speak about spirituality. Yeah. And he does speak of some of the truths, with a capital T, from Christ, from Gandhi, from the spiritual leaders uh, of our society, of our civilization, whatever. But um, what they both believe could, can't be true because they had conflicting ideas. I, I have a, um, a metaphor, a way of looking at this, and I'm, I'm not saying that my view of mm. spirituality is better than yours, but let's but it look, is. Of, let's face let's it, look of truth as an elephant, mm -hmm. okay? And we've got four seekers of truth, uh, spiritual leaders, if you will. And they're all blind. And all they've got is their, their hands, their sense of touch. Mm -hmm. And each of them feels a different part of the elephant. One feels the trunk. One feels the leg. One okay. feels the belly. One feels the tail. And they go back to their people and they describe truth. Different parts. Different parts. So the elephant as a whole is an objective creature that hasn't changed. But the people's perception of it and their experience with it is individual. Okay, so what, what I... <sighs> I guess my, my angle there is, as long as we know there's an objective truth and we're trying to seek it, that's okay. But what you get with spirituality is people, everyone goes back and their bit of the elephant is the absolute truth. It's not like they want to discover any more of the elephant. Sure, that's Whereas a problem. From, from, my, from my perspective, I, I would still want, you know, ideally the, the truth, they'd say, oh, I only felt a bit of the elephant. They'd be so aware, right. they wouldn't you know, continue with the analogy. There is a spirit, though. Would you agree? No, no, I, I, I'm an atheist. You're an atheist? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well, there you have it. Well, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I believe in science. Planes fly, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, if planes can fly, I, I trust that facet more than... And it also, when you read the history of the books, they, they seem pretty made up by humans. Sure, sure. Um, I think if you take like a... They bear such, a, such a, like, a mark of humanity. Oh, yeah. If God was really writing books, you know, he, he put some better stuff in there. Sure. He wouldn't, he wouldn't just say, oh, no, I, I, I meant when I said... Uh, you know, Abe took his son up to the mountain and nearly killed him. I meant that as a metaphor. He it put that in there. If he was that smart. It was an allegory. Yeah. It was <laughs> I, but um, but the, the, the important thing I, I want to um, 
would you say about the, whether, whether one needs spiritual, I'm not saying the, um, the height of mindfulness can't be achieved with spirituality. It, it, it originally was. What we're saying is that you can use things like the aspect of Buddhism that are good for the mind. So what we're basically doing is picking the bits that we know are tangibly good for the brain because sure. we now have a mapping of neuroscience and we're taking those and applying them now without the, the sort of legends that go with them. So we can benefit from the practices without needing the, the hocus pocus, I guess, in, in my, my mind, sure, sure. to go with it. So you know, maybe, maybe spirituality helps some people. It certainly does with meditation to feel there's a bigger power out there, whether it's true or not. Truth, I guess, doesn't matter sometimes to people. I'm, um, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I wish you didn't. I, I, I wish I believed in God. You know, this, it's constant. It'd be lovely, you know, to... Well, with regard with the major religion's interpretation of spirituality, mm. I feel that if you have a nugget of truth, no matter how small, and, you, and people gravitate towards it, and you wrap it in whatever political agenda that you have and whatever lies are available to you... It will still be a positive control thing. The people, I'm not no. saying it's a positive thing. I'm saying smart people like yourself are going to see the lies and not see the truth. So I don't know the, all the answers. Mm. And I think that I'm probably on a sliding scale of born-again Christian to atheist. I'm probably closer on the scale to you. But for argument's sake, I like to take the opposing view. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, okay. Well, I mean, Richard Dawkins describes, I mean, when I say atheist, you know, in practice, we're all 99.9% .9 agnostic. It's not like... I you, I, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna. But you know, when you're 99.9, what I what I what I think I I would be clear about is that if there is any higher power, he doesn't give a fuck about humans, and or if he does, then he's not all powerful because those two ideas very much conflict, right? Because obviously, if an all powerful person cared about humans, then there wouldn't be so much suffering. Yeah. And people say there's suffering because of free will, or or God artistry, like but you know, natural disasters, natural evils. Yeah. Uh, well, right, that that tsunami was just God being artistic. <laughs> that was that was because of human free will. Or, you know, if you're in the South of America, that was because people are gay or something. Right, right. Uh, you know, come on. No no, think, no uh, reasonable God would... If there is a God, basically, he's a cunt. <laughs> or, she, or she. Or she. I think, yeah, uh, she, she's more likely to be. No, a no, human, not, no, a human mind trying to grasp the nature of God is going to set yourself up for disappointment. And I don't, I don't think that it, it is knowable. But don't you, think, don't you think God is innate? Don't you think the notion of God is purely human? It's a construct, I mean, sure. it's, it's just been... You can understand that 2,000 years ago, people made that up. Because you needed... If, you, if, you're, if you're in a chaotic world, this is a world where... You know, I guess lot, the, the infant mortality rate is ridiculously high. Unbelievably got, out of the developed countries. Well, compared, to, I mean, I guess not for hu humans as, as mammals. I guess it was still relatively good compared yeah. to other animals. Like right. generally, the amount of animals a an animal has right. tells you how many of them are going to die. So, when a rabbit has thousand rabbit babies or like a litter of of twelve, like to keep the species at a normal, you have to just only have two survive. So the more baby, and when you know a fly has insect babies, whatever they fucking are, I hate flies, but, you know, there's a million of them, and then that's because most of them are going to die because they're going to get eaten by some bird before they even have the chance for life. So humans obviously are quite developed because we have small litters. You danced so, around the word evolved. You said you chose developed instead. Oh, well, yeah, I guess evolved. It wasn't, it wasn't a conscious choice. <laughs> are you familiar with Joseph Campbell? Jo no, I'm not. Oh, Carl, I should have yeah. read more. No, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to be so philosophical today. I, I didn't I mean agree. to. We can no, 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 it's great. I love it. I, I agree that 
Um, the religious construct is a myth that some people need to get through this existence. Do you think that's a good, I mean... No, it's do you a think, crutch. Do you, think, do you think a fake crutch is still positive, though? This is an interesting connection. Because I meet a lot of people for whom religion is a very positive thing. Sure. And it's usually the people have, who have comfortable lives, though. This is the thing. I've, I've traveled quite a lot, and it's... You know, when you're at the... I guess the hilt of religion. You know, when you can live in... In, in America and just sort of have your beliefs, go to church and, and have them all and it's nice, it's okay. But then sometimes you can travel a bit and you see the, the blunt end of that. Like, you know, Oklahoma is just is talking about abortion laws and stuff. I thought we got over this. Sure. You know, how we know that a woman's life as, as, as a developed human being is worth more than a small fetus. We know this in terms of neuroscientists again. We know that even even a late fetus, it's, it's very sad, but in, in terms of you know, Economic in getting, stability. Well, in terms of getting rid of it, sure. I care more about the teenage girl who's got the kid. You know, it's You're more her invested. life. You're more invested. Well, it's not invested. It's, it's, about, it's about compassion for, for conscious creatures, and a fetus yeah. isn't conscious. Um, you know, a 16-year-old girl has an entire life. It's, uh, but th- but even though we're talking about this, this is, I, I need to make sure. I'm, I don't consider myself very good at articulating any of these arguments. There are better people making the same arguments. Neither I just, are I. I'm offering, I'm offering my two cents, I guess. It's fine. So, it's it's all fun. But I can believe that I saw in the news like Oklahoma is is it's like trying to make it harder to get abortions. Right. It's right. like they're not helping anyone. I, I well they're helping people that don't exist yet. They're helping people who have a vested interest. Oh, in that's gonna be that's gonna be a great life. A, g- a girl doesn't want the baby, and then they're probably very poor because they can't have the baby, and then you know it's it's, it's just harming everyone. I agree. I agree. And it's it's just so sad. And there's people like we're the gen- If ever there's a way, democracy is shit. It's it's just to see young young girls sort of want pro life is just it's hideous to me. I'm I'm very curious your perception. So you said you were at a Bernie Sanders rally the other day. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I went canvassing for him, so I knocked on a few doors because I I think what Americans really need is a British guy telling them how to vote. (laughs) I think that that was. (laughs) You definitely grabbed their attention. That was exactly what they needed. But the thing is, like, why are you so invested in American politics? Are you? uh, Do you have dual citizenship? No, no. well, it's not a... Were you in it for the experience, just to get the... Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been following this for ages. And for me, it was... Sanders' thing was an epoch-making... It was a potentially epoch-making moment, or yeah. defining We, It was a chance, really, for everyone. I mean, Obama, we did it sort of with Obama, we, not me. The country did it with Obama, yeah. and that was great. But, but Sanders really comes on with a proper set of ideas. And... You know, there's a real chance to change America. I mean, imagine giving free healthcare to to people who are poor. This this changes this changes the game. It's not this, like we can't afford it. Yeah, exactly. You watch, you look at the health expenditure in the U.S. in total, and obviously, so I think um, some fucking Republican was saying, "Oh yeah, people come here to to go on medical tourism," and then Bernie just goes, "Yeah, wealthy people, <laughs> wealthy people have access to the best healthcare in the world here." But the point is, there's some guy in. Oklahoma, who's, who's living with his kids, and he, can't, he doesn't want to take them to the dentist or the doctor when they might have a disease because it's going to f- fucking cost money. Sure. And that's why it's so strange that the Trump supporters, there's so many Trump supporters that really should be supporting Sanders. They're it's, voting it's against very their, strange. their own interest. What, what bothers me, and the, the term socialism doesn't mean much to me, mm-hmm. but I think that... That's what Bill Meyer was saying, that we're afraid of that. Well, America is afraid of that. Correct. It? What I think is that it's the propaganda the, in the 50s. That no, no, one, no one should be one mistake away from being penniless. I don't think that that's 
acceptable. With with healthcare, it's it's one mistake. It's not even your fault. Look at well, look at Breaking Bad. Sure. If Breaking Bad happened in Sweden, he'd just get some healthcare and then live happily. There would be no. Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been a good story. It's not. It it's way. not even. It's. I don't know why we're arguing about it as a country. No. It's our priorities are whack. It's it's very strange. Just because we expect. You see, I guess in England you expect the wealthy people to vote in their interests. Some of the wealthy people vote in the interests of the poor people, and then the poor people vote in their interests. And the, the big vote is really the middle classes, and whichever party can make the middle class dickheads in, in England vote their way. You know, the, I don't, I, I don't want to start calling everyone a dickhead, but let's face it, most people are dickheads. And <laughs> I include myself in this. Oh, anyway, I wanted to answer your question. Um, my... Uh, my interest came from pure curiosity, initially. I've always found American politics very interesting, comp especially compared to British politics, because... In, in practice or as a spectacle? In practice. Okay. Because I, I studied American history. Okay. And uh, I think because it was relati so relatively recent, people really... It's, it's an active thing here. It's, it's something people participate in. Everyone feels part of the process. Um, whether that was an illusion or not, as we're seeing with Hillary's superdelegates compared to, I'd say, the grassroots of of the right, right. disavowed people. It's, it's arguable how much of the process people are really a part but of. I, I, would, I would still say it's far more than in Britain, which sure. is just, a, we, we have a system that's first past the post, which is very strange. It's, it's nothing like proportional representation. So I don't vote in England. I, I refuse to vote. Um, the parliament takes care of that for you, correct? Well, they, well the, f the first past the post system is like, so they do it in such small regions. It was invented so that, basically it came in because Hitler got in with 35% of the vote. So Hitler's NSDAP party, before they became the, well, it was the National Socialist Party, they got into Nazi Germany with 35% of the votes. So then a lot of the other European states were very wary of this. We don't want any real radicals coming in. So we're going to fix the system. So it means that only a set, you know, you have to really jump through a lot of hoops. So we've got a very limited choice. And there's a voter power index online where you can type in your postcode, uh, zip code, and uh, you can see how much your vote is actually worth. And wow. Where I lived in London, it was worth 0.01% of a vote. Wow. Because it was always going to be for one party. And if it's going to be for one party, then all of the other votes are thrown away. That's what I think. It should be everyone voting and whoever gets the most votes. I don't, you know what? If people get an extreme leader, that's what they deserve. And, you know, I'm actually happy. That's why I like Donald Trump in a way. I mean, I don't like him as a person or an entity. But, you know, at least he's... Uh, so what, what was the experience like, knocking for canvassing for well, Bernie okay. Sanders? These are, these are wealthy Malibuan, Malibuans? Malibuans, right? Malibuans. This is new. If, if no one said that before, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that phrase. I'm using it. <laughs> Just like LAans, which I think no one's ever said before. Angelinos. I'm saying LAans. I like it. Because they're a bit like aliens as well, so it sounds the same. <laughs> this is the sort of thing Americans love, <laughs> like just sounding the same. So, um, you, so you're canvassing for Bernie Sanders in Malibu. It wasn't very long. And let's face it, these guys are millionaires. So what was interesting, though, is some of them, some of them still don't like him. Oh, oh the video stopped. Oh, okay. Uh, the card could be full. But thank you. Should we put another one in? Or should we, should I know. Okay. I don't want to break the momentum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first time I had sex. <laughs> Except I made sure I had a good memory card. <laughs> <laughs> We, good, have, we have enough for a good clip. So. That's good. This uh, is, the audio is what matters. Um, um, but let me set you back up. So you're, yeah. you're canvassing for, for Bernie Sanders in Malibu, which is a conservative area, 
But oh, was it really? I, I wasn't even aware of this. Well, I, I'm just just. I was so on, surprised because just based on the amount of money per household, these people are not. They don't share the same problems and concerns as most of your fanatical Bernie Sanders. So that was interesting when you asked me as well. Like, do I have dual citizenship? Why I'm interested? There's, I mean, so we're in. I mean, people are interested. I'm interested in human well-being. So human society flourishing. Flourishing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I sort of imagined that the very wealthiest people would want to help the the people who are disadvantaged. It was. How very naive of you. Well, maybe. I mean, people say this about London all the time. They always say, you know, the rich people just vote in their interest. I, I guess I haven't been as involved in England because... Now, I understand why when you explain the first-past-the-post system. It's, it's, uh, it's just such a... You've, and the problem is when people have a go at me for not voting and... Tell me about know, it. It's just, it's just... It's not... I don't want... My, my vote shouldn't just fall into a... a, a people should earn a vote. Sure. Because right? you know what they do? The politicians are cunts. So they, they come along, and, and you know, like David Miliband or, or um, Cameron, Ed Miliband or Cameron, they'll go along, oh yeah, we won this many votes in the election. You're like, no, you just had a million, you had millions of people who were just picking the one, the lesser of two evils. That's yeah. not winning. That's just being less of a dick. It's default, yeah. Yeah, it's, and that's not, that's not actually work. That's, that's, why I lo- anyway, that's why I love American politics, because at least there's some. I mean, I love the founding fathers. These were these were these were mostly atheists who uh, founded a country on principles, on Lockean principles, about freedom and and the only in a small state. It was, but it was a different world back then. That's also what Americans need to realize. the The Constitution was written in a different world. This was thirteen states that needed protection from natives primarily. So if you if you you've been given the opportunity to set up a farm in the new world because you're the second son. So if you haven't inherited land in your own country, you come over. So it was mostly second kids that came over. And then and then so you need the 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 idea behind Jefferson and 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 even the the Lockean and Paine philosophies which on which America were based was like the only protection a state should provide. Is, is protection from outside resources. So you basically need protection from bears and Native Americans. But not from each other. Well, no, because there's enough space. Why would... I mean, yeah, there's, we, uh, they understood that criminals would exist in a society. But that's not the, the main role, the main yeah. function of the state. It's fir- to police one another's interactions. It's to... But again, this is a world... We're talking about a world of a million people across right. 13 states. So, you know, this is, this is a completely different scale... It's very hard then to take certain ideals and expand them, almost arguably like democracy in the Athenian state, which was only va- voted for. Democracy came about with just 300 people in an Athenian state were voting. I would this argue that democracy breaks down after 50 people. Possibly. I mean, it breaks down when the education of the people is, is quite poor, I suppose. But then maybe, I don't know, do people have, I mean, I guess people have their rights to self-determination. When you see, I, I don't know, you know, I, if you've got, a, I mean, a Trump voter who's not voting in their own, it's like someone who picks homeopathic medicine over cancer. You could argue they've got a right to do that. Sure. I'd argue if they've got kids, they've got a right, they, they need to stay alive and they should look at the science and stop, you know, I, you know, you, I guess you can't force You're saying, you go, go with the most reasonable option for your own needs at the time. If there's a, well, it, it depends in what context. Uh, if, if I'm, using, if, I'm just going with you. Yeah, if there's, an, if, there, if there's an obvious path that's been... Sure, sure, sure. I mean, like Bernie Sanders and the healthcare thing. That, that shouldn't be an argument, really. Oh, I look, agree. we're going to give free healthcare to people instead of paying a lot. 
basically we're going to take money away from insurance companies and, and put it in healthcare. Now, I've, I've got a friend who was on the show uh, who calls himself a conservative libertarian, mm -hmm. and he's all about the free market. Now, I think, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but his position on this matter would be that the free market would suggest that if a doctor goes to university for 10-plus mm -hmm. years and, and earns the position, they shouldn't be forced to accept a lesser wage or uh, a communist system of healthcare to where but then everyone's they, getting the same thing. Okay. There's no, um, what's the word, well, then they, incentive okay. for them to achieve that's what his argument would be. Yeah. I mean, that's stupid because that means that people who get into being doctors do it for the entirely wrong reason. I mean, you get, you're a doctor because you're capable of doing it. If, you've got, if you're smart enough to help a society, you should be doing that. So it's, it's about ability and your ability to help society. So money. Do you think that innovation, which is about all America has to offer the rest of the world because our natural resources are a bit thin, yeah. So innovation and entertainment, I would say, are our main exports. Would that stop? Would innovation stop? come to oh, a screeching halt if we take away the free market okay. system? This is, this is important. I'm, not, I, I am very, I'm very pro-free market in a lot of fields, just not healthcare. You know, it's the one people deserve. If people deserve pursuit of happiness, I think, and if a government can afford it, like you go to a place like Colombia and, you know, it's not affordable. And, and you look at the expenditure for American healthcare. I've seen the graphs. They're like, America's like double that of Germany. The NHS in England is just very starved for money. Ah, it's just for healthcare. The free market isn't shouldn't. People should just be helped by a society that can afford to help them. This sure. is there's no deserving or undeserving poor. This is different. With I the, agree. But everything else in the free market, you know, I I, I quite like the incentive based stuff. Right, right. So I, I read a statistic that if somebody needed to get, uh, I think it was a knee replacement, um, the cost of getting it done here in America um, was, I don't know, let's say $50,000, mm -hmm. where you could fly to Germany, get the procedure done, stay for a month, enjoy a vacation, fly back home, and you'd still be under half the cost of that Yeah, procedure. well, of course, because, I mean... It's incredible. This is one of the Sad. problems that... This is one of the arguments about immigrants, you see, that comes up more, um, I guess, more, more valid, a, a better argument. Because here people are arguing about immigrants, but I'm not sure exactly what the immigrants are taking. Like, they're not getting free health care. Well, I mean, what... Attention, I think. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> what, what these poor, poor Mexicans, they're coming over to work and trying to earn some money. They're not, you know, they're not... Whereas in, in England, people, the more conservative people feel, because we have an NHS, so we do get tourists... If you go to any hospital, you can just get cured for whatever for free. Because, I don't know, that was... Your treatment, I don't know about cured. Yeah, well, I guess we're never going to be cured, are we? <laughs> Life is the disease. The only cure is fucking death. <laughs> oh, my God, no. Bleak, bleak. Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a... But, you know, it's, it's one of these... I think this is just something you have to hold the ideal. So... You know, it, it's all... Right. And this is why whenever anyone has a go Bernie... It's important to remember you can't agree with every politician on everything, but he's the one with the—he's got the good ideas. He's the one that wants to help those less fortunate. Now, why? Even if uh, people, you know, I watch all the politics shows and stuff. People are like, oh yeah, well it's not practical. It's like, you know, Hillary will be better with defense and yeah, stuff. She's got it's more just, experience. She's got more connections. Yeah, it's like she's more presidential. Yeah, but I agree with you. Put the yeah. person with the best ideas in the position and let the system. 
I mean, it's got to be. I mean, Trump has no ideas and and every idea simultaneously. Yeah. And people, ah, you see, people are getting inspired by. The, I do like the outsiders inspiring people. I have sure. to say because I agree. We all hate politicians, right? This is that they, they are twats. Is uh, this the is this the longest time that you've spent in America? How how long, often? No, no. Visit? I've uh, the first time I came to LA was in 2010. Okay. And. Yeah, I, I, well, I come back whenever I can afford it, and then I spend all my money, and then yeah. I spend the next two years. What's, saving what's up again. changed of your perception of America before your first visit in 2010 until okay. now? Quite a bit. The food has gotten so much better. Okay. The food is like, I you see, I think London invented hipsters. So <laughs> basically, from 2010 to 2016, you know, hipsters have been around here more yeah. prevalently. Like Culver City, which is where I was with uh, with with um, Damien's brother. Okay. In 2010, you know, it was chill, and now there's like restaurants and. Well, that's it. I was gonna list everything. There's restaurants <laughs> and some bars that serve good cocktails. It's, it's not been gentrified and hipsterified. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I'm, I'm pro gentrification. That just means being a gentleman is a positive trait. I want every, if if, if the whole world was gentrified, we'd all be gentlemen uh, or gentle women. Um, or whatever, ladies, ladies or, and gentlemen. Or a third Imagine if the world equal as gen- equally as gentle. <laughs> Imagine if the world was just made up of ladies and gentlemen. It'd be better, wouldn't it? Sure. The problem, of course, gentrification is people complain about house prices and stuff going up in areas. I say to them, you have no right to live in an area because it's just because you grew up there. I think this is this is an amazing place. That, I have is to not, pay. that is not very Bernie of you. Well, uh, we disagree on some. Well, I would love to live here. So I do anything to live here. So I, when I come... By here, do you mean L.A.? Yeah, I mean okay. anywhere in America, to okay. be honest. Okay. And so there's a reason the house prices go... Or Airbnbs happen, or house prices go up, or people flock to an area. It's because it's nice. People want to live there. Now, a wider question is, how much does the state owe you living in a nice place? I'd argue not so much. And, you know, especially... I come from the outside. I'd love to live here. So seeing people bitch about a thousand dollars a month rent, you know, when I was in London paying that for a bedroom, is it's just a, it's just like spoiled kids complaining, you know. Yeah. Everything. It just move. If you can't afford it, move somewhere else in America. You're still amazingly wealthy compared to the rest of the world. Isn't that the metaphor of uh, of America's relationship to the to the UK? Spoiled little children running around. But it's good in a way. Spoiled, <laughs> spoiled little children running around are the ones that come up with the best ideas, right? Because they're the ones that aren't, you know, they're not uh, tormented by practical practicality. Sure, sure. So, you know, I, I, I was a spoiled little kid running around probably, and that lack of practicality coming down probably helps creativity. But you know, again, you just have to be aware. I think Louis C.K. has got a very good. He says he doesn't let us watch kids uh, watch TV or anything. And, I like that. Yeah, I agree. But sometimes when you oh, it's when you hear people, you a lot more people complain, I think, in L.A. now than they used to. You know what's interesting about celebrities, um, very successful actors, um, CEOs, influencers, mm-hmm. they don't have that practicality outlook. They're extreme, you know, greatness. They've got that just confidence that they're going to succeed at mm-hmm. any cost. Whereas a comedian, much like you know Louis C.K., they have an intense pragmatism and an intense um, l- logical way of looking at problems. 
You know, it's they, they're the, the, the truth tellers, I would, I there, would say. There are waves of self-doubt, right? That just, I guess, you, know, you, don't, you don't look at Donald Trump and think this is a man who's doubted himself very much. Right. Which has served him well, but it hasn't made him very nice. No. Uh, but then again, he was a spoiled... I mean, there's a great Seth MacFarlane... Have you seen the Trump roast? Of course. It's, yeah, it's Seth MacFarlane. So we're here now to honor a self-made man. <laughs> that man is David Trump, Donald Trump's father. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember. I, wait, sorry. I've I, uh, no, no, no. You're, yeah. you're fine. You're fine. I, um, we, I can edit, we can edit my, my mumbles out. I love, I love talking to t- um, two comedians for a very specific reason. Uh, we share many sensibilities, and we're both extreme entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for your own success. You are your own business. What? Why did you pick comedy? Well, I mean, I'd still say I haven't made a compl- success for it yet. I'm not really six years, seven years. You've been doing this. Well, you said since 2000. I had a, yeah, I had a very, I had a bit of a destructive relationship. And in the middle. <laughs> here, here she comes. How did you know? I was here. On the, on the five tra- o'clock traveled. You had a destructive relationship. At well, it was just, what, you know. At what age was this? With a woman? Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I, I never, we never fucked, so I, I, I don't know. But it was, <laughs> I, um, no, I mean, it wasn't her. It wasn't anyone's fault. I was young. She was a bit older than me. She was working hard. I was just pissing around. It was, it, but she didn't really believe in my comedy. So there's a good two years in that. Where, um, I know comedy for me was something I sort of fell into. It was more like, I mean, when you when you study philosophy, you've got teacher or, I mean, it's it's maybe maybe that's a cop out. Let me. Uh, I think maybe there's a yearning for attention. And to be listened to that we all desire. And I guess I, uh, being an only child, maybe that was just a self-fulfillment thing, yeah. I, I guess, to, you know, to be really candid about. I think it's a psyche thing. I think, I think a well-balanced person wouldn't be a comedian. And if they are, they wouldn't be a funny one. Put it that way. You, you said it. <laughs> and I'm not going to disagree I, with I, you. I, I, I'm not even a good comedian. I'm un- you see, you get like 50,000 comedians and are not well-balanced, and then like five of them are good. They say that it takes 10,000 hours, 10 yeah. years, whatever you want to say, to become great at your craft. And you've That's why I'm so in, good at drinking, yeah. You've, you've put in a, a good chunk of time to do that. And you've got to overcome the, the doubters, the failures, the yeah. bombing, you know. So I don't, it's, not that it, it's not that there's bombing. It's more, uh, it's more the sheer amount of other comedians. And, you know, sometimes you meet someone who's great. And then you think, uh, you know, these guys are naturally good. But a lot of the time, you, I think because it seems, in a self-obsessed society, it seems like an easy way to be listened to. Um, you know, it's, it's basically an extension of a bad Facebook post for a lot of people, you know? And, and all of a sudden, you can get anyone to listen to you instead of... And, I, I, you know, even... You no, know, the first year or so, it was, it was probably an attention thing. And I, I wanted to get out and have sex with women. So <laughs> and, and being on stage, you can always have sex with women uh, so you develop from that but then there, there's a time you have to just sort of buckle down and, and work on it and, sure. and listening to someone like Bill Burr talk about it on his podcast was so so inspiring because you never felt with Bill Burr well like Bill Burr always used to refer to Patrice O'Neill as the best ever 
right? He, you know, he, properly. he was, he is. And he felt in, in Patrice's shadow, not just because he was so fat, but he felt <laughs> and like... so black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do black people cast more of a shadow? My shadow's oh my God, the rumors than, are true. My shadow's blacker <laughs> than me, I know that. <laughs> um, yeah, but listening to the way Bill Burr worked on it, this was just a goal he wanted, and then he worked on it. That was, that was very inspiring. And it does, whatever you do, you work on it. I think the hard part is knowing which bits to work on and it, in terms of comedy, because it's more like acting now, I think. Than it's, it's more about the, the like, this is why I was saying I was working on rhythm so much. Right. I, I had funny ideas, but, but now formatting. How do, you, how do you pick which bits to work on? Because you just said, self-admittedly, that a, a comic has this, something inside of them that they want attention and it doesn't sound like you're as a comic would be prone to take advice no 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 I hate advice so how do you how do you get that critical eye how do you get that insight as to what bits to work on and what bits to let go is it just self analysis no no I think I think to be honest it's just watching a lot of comedy so you you, you, I'm, I'm very I might sound a bit lame but I have heroes right so I, I, never, are they? I never met my dad. I've, I've got a list of 10 I could read out. <laughs> Where's my phone? My phone's in my bag. Is that not it right there next to you? Oh, yeah. Okay, calm down. <laughs> I have I finished the wine now. Shit. Um, so I've, I've got, got a list t- of... I've got a time limit here. Okay, all right, all right. Just five heroes is enough. We don't need to go... Yeah, anyway, the point, the, the point is about the heroes is that it doesn't matter who they are, but it's, it, I think, again, it's a positive thing to aspire to certain characteristics you might see in someone. That doesn't necessarily mean you agree with everything. But if there are, even, that's why I say even Trump, who just stands in his own truth, like he, he just says anything and stands with it. That's actually what a very good comedian would do. You know, just, uh, fuck you, I don't care what you think. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be president. Why the fuck do I think, like, you know, care what you think? He's settled into it, sure. And it's sure. very... It's comfortable in his skin, it appears. Yeah, and that's, a, that's, that's like one of the first points of mindfulness. To be comfortable in your own skin and present constantly, that's a... I mean, that's step one. So he's achieved more mindfulness than, than most just from starting with that. Um, just a strange thing to think, but I, I can't argue with it. Yeah, well, I, I was trying to, I was trying to think of a different angle because yeah. people were hating on Trump. So I'm thinking, he's, he's inspiring in a way. The yeah. person I really hate is his wife. What's his wife called? Ivanka? Ivana? Iva- something like that? Oh, uh, that was the old, I know. I can't keep track. But the thing is, with his wife, I was, I was... Right, so Donald Trump is just Donald Trump. But his wife, his wife either likes him for his money, which is bad, or his wife likes him for his personality, which it's is worse. worse. It's <laughs> like, what? I mean, I'd suck his dick for $800 million, but I would never say I like him for $800 million. <laughs> that would feel dirty. I'd feel gross if I said that. Um, so, yeah, she's the biggest. She, she's, I was saying, she's like the, uh, you know, the, have you seen The Mummy? I have. So the, Donald Trump is The Mummy. And she's the little Israeli guy who just does every religion just to be next. She's in the right hand of the devil, she's being a, a sycophant rather than... She's, sh- she's yeah. short round to uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's, 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 it's worse. <laughs> she's worse than him. He, she, he's just a mummy. He can't help. He has to consume human beings to get more skin and like, get his organs back. That's, that's his raison d'etre. Yeah. Whereas she, didn't, she doesn't need to do that. She's got skin. <laughs> But she already has skin. What was the hear, question? No, no, no. Before I, before I hear your list of heroes, I want to abandon this uh, topic of American politics, but I want to hear um, a, su- a summation of your experience and what your predictions are for the upcoming election, if you please. Okay. Well, 
summation of my experience has been very positive. Everyone I've met has been very engaged. But then again, I've only spoken to people in California. So, um, you know, if, if I was to, I don't know about that. So my summation is not going to be vastly, well, vastly valid. Um, it's your experience. In terms of, yeah, in, in terms of predictions, it seems like, I mean, it's going to be Trump-Hillary, and then, I mean, it, it seems like it would be a landslide for Hillary. Like, I think maybe it's going to be 75% to 25, because I think once you, once you allow something like Trump into the open, like, he's appealing to the core. Now, the core of the Republican Party are not big enough to win the country, basically. And especially... Yeah, especially considering New York, California, these are the popular states. You know, it could be, but he is from New York, so I guess maybe. I, I mean, it'd be interesting. It's going to be super interesting to see if he adjusts his, his, his angles at all. Out of m pure morbid curiosity, I would, so, I do sort of want him to win because is he going to build a wall? Like, doesn't he realize most people come in on planes? <laughs> like, this is, it's as if planes haven't been invented. I don't know why. <laughs> Like That's a great point. Oh, shit, I can't climb over this 100-foot wall. Oh, I'll book a plane ticket for $100 and then just well, stay in America. There's going to be a force field in the airspace as well. You didn't, <laughs> he didn't see that part of his plan, but that's part of it. But, I mean, it, it'd be, it'd be, I mean, Hillary, I don't know, how much, how much less inspiring could she be? It's like how you've got everything put in front of you to just line yourself up, and you're still not more popular, like, Donald Trump is more charismatic than you. If anyone, if you can say that, Hillary does piss me off. And she's such a fucking suck up as well. <laughs> she's such a. Now, what? I don't know. But you got to, she's not, she's, the, she's not compared, she's not on the same level as Trump. So people right. have to vote for her. You know, it's, it's a sensible choice. It's just a shame because Sanders is right there. What, what will be now your, your home country on behalf of them? Yeah. What do you think is going to be? Europe's perception of America with either of these two leaders. Trump, in Trump getting into the nomination at all is, is particularly damaging for America's reputation, I'd say. It's, it's quite, to see a reality TV show star, sort of, I mean, I like him. He was in Home Alone too, so I give him that. Uh, so when we, when we go to the UN meetings uh, next year, are we going to be at the kids' table? Are we going to get a smaller chair? I, I, I think that considering your the country is worth more than all the others combined. I think you probably still have a big table. You'll have like a Mr. Burns chair okay. <laughs> with dogs <laughs> leashed, like barking and shit. But no, well, it's America's never cared about outside perception anyway, has it? It's like, fuck you. That's what I love about this place. Yeah. And then so Trump is almost the embodiment of modern America. Yeah. It's almost the president that everyone deserves yeah. in a way. I don't, but again, you know, you can't, Deep down now, though, I'm stuck. I mean, he obviously said some horrific things. I don't think if he actually got into... I, I don't know. It's, it's so... It's, it's, not, it's, it's unprecedented in my lifetime. People talk about Reagan uh, as being the last one, but this was before social media. This was... No, I, I agree. I'm glad you brought up Reagan. I mean, he was, uh, he was a Hollywood actor. Uh, his rise to fame was not in law school. It was not as a senator. It was not as a public organizer. It was but people, a public the, the, figure. The Republicans perceive him as, like... Very good, right? Unfortunately, they do. Because uh, in American Dad, obviously, Stan, <laughs> there's this picture of Reagan by his bed. And 
And we had the governor. Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California. Well, I, I, I like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about his policies, but I don't know. This is no, I, I feel like gentle I Ben. Think, I think you, I've never met Homer Simpson. I don't know anything about him, <laughs> but just <laughs> and they start crying. Your tears are more than real evidence ever could. <laughs> I definitely agree that we get the the leaders that we deserve. Um, before we started rolling, we we watched this uh, Kanye West appearance on. Oh yeah. And I made a comment like he's the the poor man's Russell Brand, who who I respect a great deal for mm-hmm. him using his celebrity to affect a positive change, at least on people's um, change the way they think. Yeah. Um, what what is your what is your thought on that whole thing? It's a good uh, it's a good uh, analogy, I think, uh, because neither of them really speak much sense, um, but they both speak from the heart. So I, I don't necessarily about poor man's Russell Brand. Although I, I guess he's been asking a lot of people for money. Um, I, I thought he was just asking people for money because <laughs> I, I, Russell, uh, I don't know. Russell Brand, I, I was, the thing with Russell Brand, again, the sentiments are very noble. But he takes simple ideas and makes them more complicated, which is like rule one of not what to do when you're trying to explain something. Uh, I th- yeah, there was a quote from someone, I thought it was Tesla. Um, who said, if you can't explain uh, an idea to a five-year-old or ten-year-old or whatever, you know, we get the, you know, sure. um, then you don't understand it yourself. And Russell Brand, when he speaks, I don't understand him. So I don't know who he, if he, if you can't explain his idea to a 30-year-old, I, I don't know what he's thinking. He means well, but then... Do you think that's the way the, the words and the thoughts come to him, or do you think he's putting on airs and just trying to sound... I don't know, no, I don't think he's, I don't think he's put on air, putting on airs. I think... Fuck! It's gonna. It's gonna he, sound. He strikes me as a hundred percent genuine. It's gonna sound. It's gonna sound a bit pretentious. Basically, I think he hasn't been to uni. Because he, what he's done is he's, he's he's read a lot of books, posts like in lieu of. And I know it's not like I'm not saying that higher education does anything to make you smarter or anything. But one thing it taught me, especially writing his, history and philosophy essays, was how to be concise. And I think. But again, con- being concise, uh, when I say this, I've been rambling on for like 10 years on this thing. In words, I'm concise. So maybe that's where he's getting, because it serves him so well to be uh, linguistic on stage. And this is the flourishes of language serve one very well uh, when performing. Uh, in writing, this is a very incoherent way of, of putting forward one's ideas. Ideas should be you know, simplified, really, when they're putting text Sure. But elaborated on when they're performed because that's what a performance is. You've got to make it interesting enough. So he's just he's just confusing the two. But well, people shouldn't speak the way they write. It's two different mediums. Oh, it's absolutely. Two yeah. If we you know, forms of communication. So I, I what I like about Russell is he seems to be when he does speak on something, he's obviously passionate mm-hmm. about it, and he seems to reach the flow state quicker than the average person. This is true. And he constructs his ideas in a way, it seems to be like he wants to be understood, you know? And oh, yeah, he is yeah. alienating I, It just seems as me, he's got that bit of ego sure. that needs to be seen as clever. Sure. You don't need to be seen as intelligent if your ideas are solid. Sure. This is the, I mean, this is just, I'm just saying what was drummed into me. Sure. When I, you know, because I was this, you know, I was writing all this shit. You think you're articulate or whatever, and then yeah. they go, why, why, why are you saying this shit? This is all just they, they they cross out paragraphs of my fucking essay, uh. just saying this is just garbage. Yeah. This is shit. So maybe there's an edge of personal stuff. We might have had the same English teacher. 
<laughs> Mr. Mr. Miyagi, I think it was. <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah, um, I was waxing on, and he told me to wax off. And but I watched I watched the Kanye West video, and uh, I I like that guy. No, I mean he's a he's a crazy man, but he you know he's 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 doing something. He's he's a result of the society. He's not. It's so weird that there's like channels like TMZ here that like follow celebrities and then they have a room of people that go like, oh my God, did you see what this girl wore? And they're like, oh, I don't care. Why? Does anyone? I mean, I guess people do. What I'm saying is they shouldn't. They yeah. shouldn't care. Sure. So it's our fault. We're talking. Yeah. No, people, people aren't very good at making decisions that are good for their own minds, basically. People smoke. People eat shit food. And that's the shit food of television. That's why we have super delegates. Yeah. <laughs> Not to get oh, on shit. that topic. No, 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 shit, no. I've just completely, <laughs> I've completely rounded off my own argument by being falsified. Okay, yeah, fair enough. No, so a, good no, point. Some, uh, a friend of mine who told me about the Kanye West video, he asked me, he said, does he have a mental illness? Or is his ego just so inflated that he just does not care? I think that's, that's too much analysis um, from such a sliver of information. I mean, to determine getting a bit serious, to determine someone's mental illness. He's not got a mental... I mean, being him arguably is a form of mental illness. If you walk down the street and people are taking pictures of you, if they're writing news stories about... What, what is a normal existence within that specific sphere? Right? How could we suggest such a one? Oh, right, he's got a mental illness. Oh, that's weird, considering 10 million people take his picture every day and comment on everything he does and pay attention to him all the time. I'd be completely normal in that situation. <laughs> right. I'd just be getting my groceries and it just just farting everywhere. I don't know. What, that's what I do normally. I fart and I get groceries. Um, and that's, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too much. Basically, any analysis is a bit too much, I think, on that level. Got it. And it's not really worthy of it. He's, it's not like we're dealing with someone with power here. It's not. Well, power is an influence. He's got the that's ear. True, he's that's got true. the ear of millions that's and true. millions of people. Now he's he said himself that he's got this um, condition called synesthesia, yeah. where he sees colors, he yeah. sees sounds, and uh, everything that he makes musically Should, does anyone else want any more wine? is a is a painting. No, it's all, it's all you. It's all Just you. Finished it. So now, if if you agree with what he's saying, if you take it as fact that he does have this condition, that is a form of mental, yeah. at least an abnormality. Well, he, he's the one who knows that. I, I don't know. I, I'd only speculate on it. But I will say that if ever, ever anyone was going to make it up, it would be him. <laughs> like, if anyone was going to make up an amount illness, it would be him. Do you, do you see him as a savant? Uh, how do you mean? So he's not too great at dealing with people, but artistically he's, far, he's very advanced. He is a genius. He's just not a well-rounded human being. Hmm. Well, that's a, I mean, his, his music's good. I'm not genius is thrown around. I, I don't know. Who knows? He Who knows? Said he I don't put know. himself in the same category as Steve Jobs, uh, Walt Disney, and Picasso. He mentioned himself and Michael Jackson as as having a similar influence or impact I mean, on the world. Being a self-professed genius is always a difficult one to sort of stomach. It's kind of like giving yourself a nickname. Yeah, I guess. But oh, I I, I don't know. I mean, he's. I, I think I think what we do expect is we expect people that we we place on these pedestals to do too much. So we actually shouldn't expect them to be any more well-rounded than any of us. We have too high expectations, and this is the sort of media cycle thing. This is why I'm purposely getting out of media. Is or when I say getting out of media, just trying not to pay attention to it as much, um, because it's just an endless cycle of shit. And then the only people making money from it are journalists. 
So, I mean, I think people should enjoy his music. And I don't think making music qualifies you to comment on the human condition. Okay? A bit like footballers, any sportsman who get, uh, they get put up on pedestals. And, uh, this comedian in England said a very good point about um, this footballer, Carlos Tevez, described himself, or it was Cristiano Ronaldo, one of them, shit. Good job, they're not going to hear this. But uh, they described themselves as slaves, and then everyone took exception to that because they were earning 150 grand a week, uh, 150,000 pounds a week. Um, and they were saying, oh my God, it's so bad for slaves. And, th and then this one British comedian just said, what did you, this is someone who's been paid millions of pounds from the age of 15 for having very coordinated feet. Why should we expect them to have perspective on humans? This, this, it's not like, so I, I'd suggest that, that's not to mean they can't have sure, a good sure. perspective. But it doesn't but assume that they're qualified yeah. for anything other than what they're And that's what the media does, because yeah. you see people commenting outside of their fields all the time. Right. And this is, this is quite harmful, because people, as you're right, they have the ear of people. And I, I suppose this is, one of the, this is one of the most harmful things about a society which, which, which puts people up on that sort of pedestal. Right. Because you really want, especially with kids, you want the right people to be influencing them. Like, I, I was talking about my heroes, but... That's because, I guess, be, in order to have that sort of thing, you have to define what attributes are, are, are positive in the world. And, and the, I guess the truth is that making music is a wonderful thing and being an artist is a wonderful thing, but in terms of compassion, it doesn't, it doesn't make you any more compassionate. It doesn't necessarily make you better at judging what's right for humanity. But then the inflated ego that goes with that might then make them believe they can... Just, but I mean, I guess people like John Lennon really seem to make a positive difference, I suppose. So the, with, the, the, with the similar level of fame and influence, he was able to yeah. use his. But this was in a different. Sure. I guess this was in a different. It sort of changed. Everything changed yeah. with social media. It's a not bit. comparable. Yeah. Now let, let me ask you this: We're, we're reaching the home stretch here. I'm, okay, uh, cool. not quite out of time, but. Um, What's Damien? So. What an asshole. He fucking begged me to come here. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being here. No, no, so no. Very he, just said he, he said he had weed. I don't know why he's... <laughs> I said, why did you think we drove up for fucking 10 hours? Because he, he said we had... Well, he said medicine, but to be honest, I don't give a shit what it is. America's <laughs> the land of false promises. What can I tell you? Welcome, <laughs> to, welcome to LA. That's, um, I didn't, that's not written on the flag. I, I'm just teasing. I thought, <laughs> they don't tell you that when you come in. I'm very curious about your, your mindfulness practice. Now, how long have you been making a concerted effort to not consume media, and how has it affected your mindfulness practice? Okay, uh, I guess it's been about a year and a half, and it's been, uh, it's been very helpful. Obviously, it's not pure. It's a bit like any sort of, it is a bit like an addiction. Because uh, what I wanted to avoid is, you know, I don't know if, we, I had a habit of waking up in the morning and you'd go right on the BBC website, check the news, you check the news, then you check your Facebook. That's what I wanted to get out of. Because I realized that none of these things affected me in any way. Like, this is just a bunch of stuff happening over there. I need, I need to sort out what's over here before I'm dealing with that shit. So, yeah, it's concerned, and it's, it, it actually helps massively. It's, it's, it's like reading, though. It, it does take an effort. It's It's... Avoiding the pizza of, of human thought. You know, I, I'm constantly tempted by pizza, but it's just bread and cheese. I know I want some salmon sashimi, really, but it's so hard. The adverts of bread and cheese are so... so pepperoni, there's stuffed everything with cheese here. And it's, 
or fried and or fried. Uh, I saw Not fried Twinkie the other day. That's a great um, way to put it. You know, the the pizza of thoughts. Now you said the first um, tenet of mindfulness was being comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, this what, is something I'm, I'm even meeting about not now. Um, what have the, what's the rest of it? Well, Amy Cuddy describes it as being present, which might be better. And there was another uh, guy I heard, uh, Julian Treasure, who did a TED talk about standing in your own truth. And all of these things, I think, are intertwined. It's, I suppose it's about not being ashamed of who you are and not bearing any guilt for your past, but still bearing responsibility for your future. So these these would be these are, these sound very good, uh, but obviously they're hard to achieve. Like anything, is hard to achieve. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you try, and it is. It, what what I will say is these efforts seem smaller once the media is taken out of the equation, because what you do by by removing the media media from your equation is you, you're, you're you're reducing this inst- instinct to compare yourself with other people. So being, oh, what I was saying is, the, so when you ask me about how media, how media can affect or affect one's uh, one's ability to be mindful, mm. it does because you, you, the instinct of human, it's like there's there, there've now been preliminary studies. I wouldn't want to, you know, I'm not saying like how Facebook is bad for teenagers, and now it's sort of what we all know. We all feel, feel a bit worse, but now it's been like I think it was in Germany. There were like uh, a lot of 15 year olds. It's, it's preliminary. But it seems to fit with what would fit with the the mental stuff that's the mental science that's already going on, and then they they just feel they have more depressive tendencies by 20% more after one week on Facebook than off it. I could have been more concise describing that, but we'll, we'll we, we can edit stuff out. That's the beauty. Um, so yeah, I do I do believe the media has a, a very damaging effect on on the ability of human beings to achieve self self worth. Because again, you, you initi- even even mentioning Kanye West, we're comparing ourselves and and putting ourselves in impossible positions. And this is it's it's, it's too confusing. It's it's almost as if um, apes haven't been designed to do this. Like our brains have just gotten so good with technology mm-hmm. that our ability to create technology and social environments surpasses our ability to cope with them. I agree. So. You know, really, and this is what my beautiful Ducks show is about. Um, how many people? The, the idea of the show—it's just—it's a—it's a, it's a bit of a weak premise that I, I was trying to allow myself to do a very vague show on. So I, literally, I haven't written, written it yet, and it's eight days till I perform it for the first time. Um, but what I'm trying to do is the fact that no one feeds the ducks anymore. If this was a pleasure. I used to go with my grandma to feed the ducks, and you know, you, you're just throwing bread at some fucking ducks. But. <laughs> But it's you're enjoyable because you're in the moment, and there's only there's only you and your grandma and the ducks there. Now, it seems every, especially it's it's probably more more important for for young people because I think it engulfs every facet of their life. They carry every friend with them wherever they go in their phone. They carry every opinion with them whenever they make a picture on the internet or have a, take a picture. I guess not make, but um, and that it's it's a weight and it's a burden that. It's quite, it's, it's, a, it's a benefit, I think, to relieve yourself from it, but it takes a conscious decision to do so.
Yeah. And it's really hard because we, we're so, like the pizza, we're attracted to fat. We're attracted to pepperoni and cheese more than we are raw salmon. Even though we know the salmon is going to benefit us more, it's just that, it's that easy, you know, we want that immediate stimulation of so society. And it, it's so addictive. It, it, I really think it's like part of that brain. A bit like, well, a bit like plane crashes and, and terrorist attacks, that's fear, and anything to do with sex. That's, so it's like sex, fear, and society, socializing, are the things that we just can't help ourselves because we've been designed through evolution to, it's been usually throughout our, our evolving stages, it's been beneficial to indulge in these things. It's important to look at violence because shit, we need to learn about that for ourselves. Now that's when you see a guy crushed by a boulder over there. But when you're talking about a Malaysian airline crash, the, the same instinct is kicking in, but we actually can't do anything about that. Right. That's, it's flying we, is still- no useful context Yeah, yeah, here. flying is still very safe. Sure. Uh, we can't say, oh, nope, not flying now. It, Oh shit, a plane fell out there. That's why they shouldn't report it. There's right. no utility to that reporting. It's, it's cynically appealing to a lowest part. A bit like putting tits on the front page or something. <laughs> putting anything, well, dicks, I don't know what girls like. Do girls like dicks? I don't know. <laughs> I've, I, I fucking hate my dick. It's just <laughs> That's awesome. I think we have to save that for, for another, uh, another episode. Well, I hate my dick. That's a whole episode. <laughs> I hate my dick by David Ron Jones. What, what's the What's the name of your show? One more time. I thought you were going to ask what the name of my dick was. <laughs> oh my well, I've been toying with a few. Uh, Don't feed the ducks. Brian Cranston is my is my preferable name for my dick. <laughs> Very successful. He's critically well, I acclaimed. Hope so. I hope my dick would achieve the same levels of notoriety and success uh, if I named it Brian Cranston. Yeah. Because like, who's the first person they're going to call when Brian Cranston's not available? There's another Brian Cranston available, and it's my dick. The stand-in. <laughs> so then all I have to do is get in the same sort of shows as my dick, and yeah, it before, snowballs from there. Before I get into the, the last two questions, I want to ask, um, okay. prom promote yourself. Give me, oh, how hey. do people find you on Twitter, on Facebook? Yeah, I'm on, I'm, I'm on, uh, I'm on Twitter as, as at David Von Jones, and uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook, I'm just fucking Von Dave Von, the same thing. I'm not, you know, it's not like I've got, I mean, inundated with... With fans, no, people are going to want to find you. Just oh yeah, well, they always do. They always do, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so, I hope they don't. I've spent my whole life trying not to be found, so it's very, <laughs> it's very hard. Now today, now, today I have started a new website, but I haven't done it yet. So okay. at the moment, if they go on my website, it'll be a template for Squarespace. <laughs> no problem. And what is it? DVJ.com. DVJ.com. Now you said, today, and there'll, there'll be a picture of a black trombonist doing it, like the, the and they'll say like, insert your. <laughs> insert right. your title here. That's my website at the moment. If they click on the links, I don't know what happened, but it might be interesting. I'm not going to be um, posting this for another six months, so by then you'll... Six months? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, um, <laughs> I just wanted to oh, it's, it's not as if... Oh, right, I was expecting thousands of people to arrive at my show just because... <laughs> today's oh, May shit, the millions of... Today, uh, today's May cancel 20th. Cancel the show. May so May 28th. May, May 28th is the first one in Brighton. Brighton, where... Yeah. How do That's, people find that? Uh, is that the name of the theater? Well, you, what you do is look at a map. And then, uh, I, know, I know maps exist in America. It's weird. Do you know somebody followed their GPS into the water? They drove into a lake because they followed their GPS. It really That's, happened. But you've got to admire that. It's commitment. Yeah, the, the faith. That's... Now you mentioned. You know that guy's gonna stand by you, whatever you do. You you pulled out you your could, phone. You could you could you could do anything to a bitch, and he'd stand by. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I killed her and raped her children. Yeah, I'm still with you. I'll follow you into the water. 
Do you, we can you cut really, that bit out. Do you really have um, a list of your heroes? In I do your, have a list of my heroes phone? on my phone. Now, keeping in mind comedy, mindfulness, and some of the topics that we spoke on today, give me your top three and uh, how the, they've been. There's no you. look. I, I, you, you can read them. I've, I've put heroes characteristics. You haven't noticed, to. but these microphones don't translate well to uh, <laughs> people. So can't I've read got. These. I've got. Okay, so I've got Mark Bosnich at the top, just because he was a footballer. You won't know him. Sam Harris is a very. Uh, um, uh, let's see. Bill Meyer. Bill Meyer is a hero of mine. I love. Uh, I love Bill Meyer. Brian Cranston, who is uh, a famous actor. He was in an episode of Seinfeld. He was the dad in Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, and I, I think I, I don't know if he, I think he's been in something else. I don't, I don't know. I think he's been in a couple other things, but I'm not After sure. After IMDb, that. <laughs> Amy Cuddy, she was she was um, she did a very good t- TED talk. She's a Harvard professor that, that talks about presence, and uh, Benjamin Franklin, who I don't know you guys know him, the he's, father he's of like, pragmatism. He's he's an American guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was really inspiring because he he um, specifically there's one story I heard which I thought was wonderful, especially as you you studied journalism. Um, there was one moment when he was trying to decide about his journalistic values. Um, and he went home to his house and just thought, I, I, I'll sleep on the floor and just drink water all night. And, and then he woke up and then his, his famous thing was, all right, now if I can do that, then I don't ever have to compromise anything I believe in in order to report journalism. I know that I can tolerate my ability to live on bread and water. So I've got everything I need, which not only speaks about mindfulness in terms of minimalizing one's, one's luxuries, which is very, can be very good, uh, but Jesus, what? What, uh, what strength as a person? And maybe it's a strength that people talk about Franklin as a hero now. Jesus, how many journalists embody that now when they're reporting on the people who died in a plane crash for money? So you, you see a plane crash reported, and then it's like there's a fucking Farmer Joe's advert or something afterwards, like fucking seven cheese pizza. And you just think, why? People have died, and now, oh, right, now CNN are making money from that death. Like, genuinely, there's a vested interest in network television having plane crashes everywhere. Because that, it's like the plane crash is the specific one I pick because it's the one we're most helpless about. We know that flying is so safe, and yet you wouldn't believe that from, from the state. It's reported way out there far more than its threats to us. Like, we know, and like Sam Harris says, the hours we spend in the air are actually safer than here. You know, we... we they're the safest hours one will ever spend. But you wouldn't know that. And then it, it puts everyone to... Pa- it's, it's unnecessary appealing to the human pizza-eating side of you for money. For money. They're doing it for money. Although it's weird. On the BBC in England, there are no adverts, but they still report the plane crashes. So hmm. that means they're doing it for no money. Interesting. Why would you do it for no money? It's uh, even worse. The, the clicks, uh, though, apparently. I don't know. Uh, the, the twats. Well, it's been, a, it's been a very insightful 90 minutes. I appreciate your time. I uh, mean, we didn't even talk about comedy, but, but thanks, yeah. My show is, uh, yeah, it was good. It was much, my show is Beautiful Ducks. Beautiful Ducks. It's in Brighton on May the 28th. And, uh, oh, no, look it up on the Brighton Fringe website. Don't be so lazy. And uh, it's in Edinburgh. The main thing is it's in Edinburgh at the Fringe Festival, all of August. Uh, the, the Edinburgh Fringe is something people don't seem to know about as much here. Do they, they have magic there, yeah? They have ever, it's the world's biggest arts festival. Yeah, I, I'm aware so of it. I, f- I follow a fellow, uh, Vin Yang. He's, um, I think, he's, he's Asian, but he's from um, Adelaide, Australia. Okay. 
and he's a public speaker, um, he's an entrepreneur, and I know the Fringe Festival from following him. Well, basically, so. everyone goes there. If you imagine every, it's, it's, very, it's very small, uh, it's a very small sort of compact town, but everywhere is a pub, because everyone in Scotland is an alcoholic, I include myself, that's why I love it there. Um, and every bar becomes a venue, so literally from, from 10 in the morning till two in the morning, the next day, you've just got any show you want. So there's thousands of shows, there's, there's assholes like me, there's like Japanese drummers, there's trapeze artists. It's, it's, just a, it's, a, great, it's a bit like the Montreal or, or other festivals, but I think it's, traditionally it's considered the most pure because it's relatively cheap to, to get yourself a spot and it's, it's up and down, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a center of creativity at that particular time. But of course, now it's a million pounds to stay there if you want to stay for one night. I saw the Ibis. Do you have Ibises here? So it's a sh that's a relatively shit hotel, yeah. right? 250 pounds a night in the Ibis during the Fringe. So $350 a night in the Ibis. So they do. But yeah. having said that, I do that with my spare room as well. So <laughs> if, I, if I was in Edinburgh, I'd check it out. Um, ladies and gentlemen, David Von Jones, beautiful ducks, come for the mindfulness, stay for the pizza. Thanks for guys. Cheers.
time wait we can what's happening i was in my most po poignant part <laughs> we're almost done now <laughs> we got like 10 minutes and we gotta bounce <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with you do you bring some weed <laughs> fucking that's why the only reason i came here do you want some, <laughs> I also want some weed let's I put this i want this in the outtake talk is cheap motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> 